I want to start this morning uh, by uh, congratulating those of you who are doing the Bible reading program and made it through Leviticus. Well done. Even if you skimmed a bit, well done. Leviticus can be a tough book to read. A lot of detail. For those of us that aren't detailed people, that's a lot of detail. But the detail actually does communicate something that's really critically important for us to understand. And that is sin has serious consequences. Sin matters. And too often as we think about the forgiveness uh, that we receive in Christ, uh, we start to maybe downplay uh, the consequences, the importance, uh, the evil uh, that sin is in our lives. And that's a mistake. Just because someone else buys the dinner doesn't mean it wasn't an expensive dinner. And in fact, we see in Leviticus the, the call for the sacrificial system where the people must put forth huge amounts of what is their value, their wealth, in form of animals to sacrifice it in their place. But there's another part of this that I want to make sure we don't miss as we think about atonement. Yom Kippur is the uh, festival of atonement that is sacrificed still this day uh, by Jews all over the world. And the word atone uh, in the Hebrew, and uh, uh, I'll expect, Jim, you to pull me aside so I can correct it for the next service if I get it wrong, uh, conveys the idea of covering, both in the sense of covering to hide and also covering for someone. And as I was thinking about the children's sermon today, I thought, you know, there's an occasion or two when what slips out of my, my, my mouth at the end of a lunch or a dinner with a friend is, I got this covered. I mean, means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay the bill. Usually that, you know, creates a little bit of an argument until, you know, we finally settle. Uh, and usually it's, look, I invited you, so I'm paying. Interesting. I invited you, so I'm paying. That we remember that God invites us back into a relationship that we have left in our sin, and God is the one who provides the cover. God is the one who indeed purifies, makes us holy, brings us forgiveness. But there's another element of the Day of Atonement that is critically important that we, especially in the West, remember. And that is the Day of Atonement is not just so that God can forgive you, Barton, which would be really good, but so that he can forgive the people of Israel. What good is it if I'm forgiven, if that forgiveness doesn't repair relationships in the community. Well, it's still good because it can repair my relationship with God, but God isn't just concerned about me. He's concerned about all of us. And so 
the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, in the Jewish community, the priests offer a sacrifice for themselves so that they can be pure and holy before God, and then they offer a sacrifice for the people so that together as a community we are restored to God, not just as individuals, but as a community of God's people. There's a similar element with communion that we sometimes do. And I'm going to ask you to remember this as later we come forward with communion. Because when you come forward with, a commun- with communion, for communion, you have this opportunity to receive Christ anew in this holy sacrament. To, to, to experience the, the giving of forgiveness and grace through the death and resurrection of Jesus. For you, but the for you isn't just singular. The reconciliation you receive when you come to the altar is for you, but it's also for you, for for us as a community of faith. When we walk away from the communion rail, we have this gift of grace in common in our community so that we're reconciled, yes, with God, but also with one another. Let's not miss the power of God to restore our relationships one to another as well as to restore our relationship with God himself. Pastor John, I already mentioned this, this play on words that we have with atonement where we can understand its meaning uh, to be at one I've often made the mistake, because of my own being caught up in feeling guilty about something I've done or not done, to think that forgiveness is really about dealing with my guilt And therefore, forgiveness doesn't seem to to mean as much if I don't feel forgiven, even if I've been forgiven. Have you ever had someone important to you say to you, you're forgiven, but you just don't believe it? Therefore, you just don't receive it. And then what happens? You continue to feel guilty. You continue to feel the, the stress and the strain in the relationship. God forgives us so that we can move back into relationships, so that the barrier that sin and guilt builds between us can be removed and we can be restored in our relationship with one another and with God. Forgiveness is an incredibly necessary and powerful thing because it means the restoration of the relationship, as well as, then, the removal of the feeling of guilt. I love the way Leviticus 26 harkens back to the other language that we've already read in the Old Testament. I will put my dwelling place among you. I will not abhor you. I'm moving back in. I'm walking again 
in the garden with my people. I'm reconnecting. I still recognize in myself that sometimes my forgiveness says, I forgive you, I just don't want to have to deal with you anymore. I forgive you, but I just don't want to, I don't want to be around you anymore. I'm wondering if that, if that really is forgiveness as God intends it to be for us. I, I think God wants to work deeper in our hearts to, to cleanse away the heartache, to cleanse away the hardship so that we can indeed be in relationship. And oh, by the way, and I have to say this because I've been confronted too many times in 30 years, I'm not talking about forgiving an abuser and walking back into an abusive relationship. I just have to say that because too many people in the past have come up to me after a sermon like this and said, you mean I'm supposed to go back with the person that's been abusing me? And I'm saying, no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, especially to the married couples among us, God has the ability to restore your relationships. And forgiveness in those relationships can indeed be forgiven and restored, and the union can be repaired, and you can move forward. It is a part of what God desires to do in us and for us. And then we turn to Acts. And in Acts we hear these words. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Jesus is our Paschal Lamb. Jesus is the source. Jesus is God paying the bill covering it for us. And then as you move down a little bit further in Acts, as you get to verse 38, it says this, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the abiding presence of the living God in your very heart. And God forgives us. He takes up residence in us. Our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Somehow, we need to hear the proclamation. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to, to work the faith in us so that we believe that God does love us that much. That, that, that the mistakes we've made don't disqualify us from God being active in and through our lives as we so often think when we disqualify ourselves because of our guilt. God makes us holy and new and restored so that he can send us to do that very thing for the people around us. And then listen to John 20. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them 
and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now here are the difficult words. Are you ready? If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Often we respond like the Pharisees to Jesus when he said to the uh, um, lame man, your sins are forgiven. Who are you to forgive sins? I remember uh, once being confronted because of the, the words of our liturgy that says, as a called and ordained minister of the church of Christ, and by his authority I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all they heard was, I therefore declare, as if the authority was mine. To which I want to say, well, it is, but it is because God has given it. You have the ability to forgive the sins of others because God has given you that ability. When he resides in you by the Holy Spirit, he now makes you his ambassadors with the power to forgive sins according to his authority in his name. You have the power to bring reconciliation because God gives you that power. It's really his, but now you get to use it by declaring words of forgiveness to those who are broken and distant and feeling guilty. It's an incredible privilege for us as pastors, is it not, to be able to share the words of absolution? It, it, it may be such a privilege that sometimes we make it seem like only we get to do it, because we like it. But what I want to say to you today is as the ambassadors of Christ in the world, you can bring that pronouncement of at one Restoring people's relationships with God. You can free people from the guilt and the self-condemnation that is destroying their lives and their self-understanding by being a proclaimer of the forgiveness of God that is ours in Jesus. It's an incredible Privilege. Now, if in the back of your mind you're still saying, no, nah, that doesn't sound right. I, I, don't, I don't think I should do that. Jesus declares that those whom he saves, he gives the power to become the children of God and he sends them. Whosoever you forgive shall be forgiven. Luther uh, struggled with this in the Reformation. Uh, we find it actually in the small catechism. Most of you studied that in confirmation, but you might have just kind of skipped over that part. It seems like it's one of the lesser parts. Um, when I was reading about this this week, one of the things that uh, uh, this video that I saw that explained the office of the keys said is that really Sunday morning is all about the office of the keys. Haven't thought about that. And I thought it was about proclaiming the gospel. I thought it was distinguishing between law and gospel. That's good, good Lutheran language. No, it's really about the office of the keys. It's about taking the authority God has given us and proclaiming the gospel, which includes the proclamation that Jesus died and you are forgiven and through him you are made right with God. 
It's an amazing word. Fundamentally, what I want and hope and pray that you'll walk away with today is that this faith we call Christianity and this word that we hear of forgiveness and absolution doesn't stop at the declaration, but it moves into the relationship. It was just a year and a half ago, or maybe a little less than that, that I began to say goodbye to a community that I had served for 10 and in some cases 17 years. It was painful. I wonder, Becca, if you had any conversations with your dad as he was saying goodbye to this community after 25 years and how incredibly heart-wrenching that must have been. I've been very mindful of Jonna in the last couple of weeks as we keep encountering lasts, the last staff meeting we're going to have together, the last Tuesday morning meeting we're going to share, the last time you're going to preside over communion for us, the last time you're going to preach next week. God cares about our relationships. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about our pain. It doesn't mean he wants to just ignore our pain. It means he wants to bring us through it, to bring healing and restoration and strengthen the relationships we have. Really, so that we don't start running away. That's what I learned to do early in my life. I've told you before, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic, and what that meant for me was that when the going got tough, my mom ran into a bottle. And she, she trained me that when life gets hard, you go hide. You get away from people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we need each other desperately, especially in these days of COVID. We need to be able to embrace. We need to be able to connect. And not because of a fear of loss, avoid one another but because of our knowledge of a Savior who makes us one, we take the chance to connect, to embrace, to love, to encourage, to say I'm sorry, to say you're forgiven, and to live together as God's people and as God's witness in a world that needs his love desperately. Amen.